Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading for May 20th, 2020. Today, looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect temporary residents in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient, and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he gave us a new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is undying, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Through faith, you are being protected by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end of time. Because of this, you rejoice very much, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which passes away even though it is tested by fire, that the proven character of your faith may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, yet by believing in him, you are filled with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that has come to you searched and studied carefully concerning this salvation, trying to find out what person and what time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they wrote about these things. These are the things that have now been announced to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look carefully into these things. Therefore, after preparing your minds for action by exercising self-control, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Rather, just as the one who called you is holy, so also be holy in everything you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you call on the Father who judges impartially, according to the work of each person, conduct yourselves during the time of your pilgrimage in reverence, because you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, not with things that pass away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls by obeying the truth, resulting in sincere brotherly love, Love one another constantly from a pure heart. For you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but from imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Chapter 2 Therefore rid yourselves of all evil, all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all slander. Like newborn babies, crave the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up with the result being salvation. Certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, in order to bring spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will certainly not be put to shame. Therefore, for you who believe, this is an honor. But for those who do not believe, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone over which they stumble, and a rock over which they fall. Because they continue to disobey the word, they stumble over it, and that is the consequence appointed for them. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and temporary residents in the world, to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your soul. Live an honorable life among the Gentiles, so that even though they slander you as evildoers, when they observe your noble deeds, they may glorify God on the day he visits us. This concludes our reading through 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. The letter we know as 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, imagine that, and it appears to have been dictated um, by Peter to a man who was his traveling companion. You notice in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, he writes, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, etc., and that kind of makes sense, because if you look at First Peter, and you really get this sense even from the English translation of chapter 1, if you look at First Peter, the Greek is very tightly interwoven. And so even when translating it, putting it into legible English, you get these sentences that are like four or five lines long, and, um, and with these you know clauses that kind of interrupt the flow of thought, and then you have to jump back up to the main clause or the main flow of thought and say, what's going on here? Um, contrast that with Second Peter. First Peter is, you know, quite polished and tightly woven, and it's it's excellent Greek, um, but it's not something you can fly through like uh, like maybe the Gospel of John or something a little bit simpler um, as far as Greek goes. That's saying nothing about the content. Um, but then Second Peter was not written with the help of Silas, and Second Peter, you know, the the assumption is that Second Peter was written by the Apostle Peter's own hand. And Second Peter is a lot more rocky, um, pardon the pun, that it, the Greek kind of jumps around a little bit more and it's not excellent polished Greek. It's certainly legible and it's certainly understandable, but it is more difficult to translate, um, but in a different way. You know, First Peter is difficult to translate because it is such excellent and so, you know, tightly woven. I guess that's the word that I keep using for it but I can't think of any other way of putting it. And second Peter is, is just a lot more, a lot more difficult. Um, as though, you know, if the apostle Peter was the one who, who wrote that, you know, first Peter, Silas polished it up and, and helped Peter arrange the thoughts as the words were put on the page. Um, it's still inspired scripture, obviously. Um, but then second Peter directly from Peter's own hand, where he just kind of wrote stream of consciousness and maybe didn't have the same grasp on grammar as, as Silas would have. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the interesting background. And what we know here is written by the apostle, the apostle Peter himself. Um, 
as the one who who dictated it and or the one who wrote it. Um, He identifies himself as such in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that's the point, that it's all about Jesus. And he begins this chapter one. This chapter one is, you know, worthy of reading and rereading. And, um, and if you haven't read it yet during the last, you know, two months, it's definitely worth a little bit extra time for you before you tuck yourself in for bed tonight. Um, verses three through 12 encapsulate this beautiful doxology, doxology being a song of praise, Uh, this beautiful doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he keeps going, talking about all the things that our God has done for us. And, And the point that he's driving at is that the suffering that we experience now is not something foreign and unknown and a an oops on God's part, but rather the suffering that we experience is something that God wants to use on our behalf. And the purpose in all of this is purifying your faith so that that faith may be tested and proven um, and result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What a wonderful thought that God's action for you was accomplished um, at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God's action in you was accomplished at your baptism, and that God's action through you continues until the day that you die and and the day that he takes you to heaven out of the world of sin and death and pain to the world of, of bliss and joy and no more crying and no more tears. And that's what Peter's really driving at. He says, dear friends, um, you're going to face suffering in this life. And, and Peter himself knows this very well. He was crucified probably in the mid to late 60s, right around the same time as the Apostle Paul, probably during the same persecution. But there's a difference because the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen. And so the Apostle Paul wasn't, wasn't subject to crucifixion. Peter was not a Roman citizen. Um, Peter was a Jewish man. And he did not have any citizenship papers authorizing him that that freedom to the executioner's sword instead of the long and agonizing crucifixion. But a rather reliable tradition and early history says that Peter asked to be crucified upside down um, so that because he wasn't he didn't consider himself worthy of being crucified in the same way as his Savior Jesus Christ. So Peter understands suffering. And listen to what he says. You rejoice very much, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials. Why? So that the proven character of your faith may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And even though you don't see him now, by believing in him, you are filled with a joy that is inexpressible and is filled with joy. And that doxology really concludes in... um, in verse 12 of chapter 1, it was talking about the, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets in particular, reading and writing, writing what God had told them to write, and then re-examining it and reading to see, to see if they could figure out what are the times and places and person and conditions that these prophecies are talking about. And verse 12 kind of wraps all that up. He says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they wrote about these things. 
These are the things that have now been announced to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look carefully into these things that you, dear friend, have in plain word on the page. You have exactly what angels themselves have been dancing on their tiptoes for thousands of years to look into and to understand and to comprehend. And you hold this treasure in the plain, bare, beautiful, plain words of scripture right there. Your Savior is revealed. And that's the God that we have, who reveals himself in the humble and who reveals himself even in the suffering. And so he says, because this is the case, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. That when Jesus comes at the end of time, that's a gracious coming for you and for me. Yes, he's coming in power. Yes, he's coming in judgment. Yes, he's coming, um, you know, thy will be done. And and he's coming to bring judgment on the world. But when Jesus comes at the end of the time for Christians, for Christians, we look ahead to that day because he's coming to take you to heaven. He's coming to take away all the things that have ever made you pained or saddened, um, all the things that have ever plagued you, and all the, the sin that has, that has chased you down. And Jesus is coming to take it all away. And because Jesus is coming... So, look ahead to that day and live as though that Jesus is with you right now, because he is. The one who called you is holy, so also be holy in everything you do. And so, um, you know, God isn't going to be grading on a curve. That's his point here in the, the middle, middle of, uh, of chapter one. You call on a father who judges impartially, according to the work of each person. And you know this fact. So, conduct yourselves during the days of your pilgrimage in reverence that you have been given a new birth into a living hope and, and an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. It does not pass away. That is the hope in which we live even now. That is the hope in which we look forward to the coming of Jesus at the end of time. And because that is the case, that is every reason to, to live our lives fully with our minds set on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live our lives as one giant thank you card to God, to live our lives as obedient children is kind of the, uh, the context that he uses here, to live our lives as, as those who have been purified, who have been raised with Jesus, who have been built and continue to be built into this, this spiritual house for the purpose of offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, and Paul says, you know, there's, there's all this beautiful connection between an accomplished salvation, a completed forgiveness, justification is what, you know, what we're talking about there, that your forgiveness has been completed and your salvation has been accomplished. That is justification, that God has declared you to be not guilty. God has declared you to be his own. And the result in your life now is that God continues to purify you, that God continues to work through you for his glory. And what a beautiful thing that God Almighty, the Lord of the universe, who, who gave his own son to die for you and for me, um, didn't just leave it there, but he brings you along into his work, his divine work of working through you for the praise of his name, his divine work of extending his church and extending his ruling activity to hearts and minds and souls and people beyond the boundaries of your own household. That is the work that Jesus has for you and for me. 
<laughs> of course, of course, it makes complete sense that Peter would say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love, he has given us new birth into this living hope and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And he spends the rest of the letter all the way through the beginning of chapter 4, trying to unpack what does this living hope look like in my life? That you've been set apart, that you live life here as an obedient child of God, not not as a slave to Satan or a slave to sin, but as an obedient child of God, you are being built into the spiritual household, and that, dear friend, is your purpose today. That is your purpose today to give glory to God in and through all the marvelous things that he wants and has been accomplishing for you and on your behalf and now through you. And so as you go about your day, just take a moment. Consider the people you know. Consider your church family. Consider the unique opportunities that only you um, might have, whether it's that person that you have a special relationship with, whether it's the children that you've been given to raise, whether it's, um, whether it's, you know, grown children that, that you are a parent to, even though they aren't in your house anymore, or whether it's a, a loved one or a dear friend or an older, older relative who really could benefit from your assistance. Think of those people. Well, think of one of those people and give some thought to how you might serve God by serving them. Why? Because our God has promised a living hope, an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Our God has called you to be his own. He has made you an obedient child of his, and he continues to build you as one of his spiritual stones in this house that is singing to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to give us a follow if you're on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Raise With Jesus should take you right to our page. And if this is ever of any benefit to you, be sure to hit that share button and share it with somebody that might find similar benefit. This has been Pastor Hag with the Raise With Jesus podcast. God bless your day.